sport administrators, sport fans and participants themselves. Sarah and Ash sit down with a bunch of inspiring female leaders from within the sports industry who share their journey of achieving their aspirations. Hey everyone, my name's Ash. Hey, I'm Sarah. And welcome to the first episode of Sports Intuition, where we hear stories from amazing women all around the world about their journey working in sport. Today's guest works for one of the most recognised sporting brands across the globe and as Senior Director of Community Relations at the Chicago Bulls, Adrian Sherenzel Curry oversees community relations and philanthropic outreach for the organisation. She ensures the Bulls' community partnerships focused on youth health and wellness, youth development and violence prevention are creating a sustainable impact in the Chicagoland area. But Adrian's career hasn't always been within the sporting world. Prior to joining the Bulls, Adrian worked as a Chief Operating Officer and Chief Program Officer for After Schools Matter, the largest after schools provider for teens in the country. Along with her experience in the education sector, Adrian is a proud mother and wife and has called Chicago home for over 12 years. We are delighted to have Adrian join us today and talk to us about her experience not only working within sport, but leading change through her role. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So happy to be here. So, Adrian, what we want to hear from you first is what is your earliest memory of sport? Um, I remember when I was, it's so funny, when I was younger, I was like really super scrawny and super not athletic. And my parents were like, this is going to date me now. But my parents were like all all about the, the jogging boom that happened like in the 70s. So I remember like they would go jogging and I said, I want to, can I go running with you? Can I go jogging with you in the morning? And um, they agreed. And I probably lasted 150 meters and I was like crying and I was out of breath. And I was just was like, this is a terrible, terrible experience I'm having right now. And so that was my earliest memory of sport, of sports and participating in sports. So not the most exciting one. <laughs> no, and it was not actually kind positive. of... It's quite funny because I ended up going to school in the United States um, for Syracuse University running on a track scholarship later, but my earliest memories were terrible. <laughs> I was about to say, do you still run now? But obviously if you run at school, then you did you made a pretty good career out of it. I, I did. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, somehow it all came together. I think, you know, when I, especially when I got a little bit older, started to really get into running and um, I have a twin sister as well. So both of us were able to get a um, scholarship um, in the middle of New York. It's called Syracuse University, big basketball school. And um, it was, yeah, it changed my life. Like running changed my life. Sports changed my life. That's great. I think that's what we're um, we're here to talk about. You can hear so many amazing experiences from people in sport and you've been lucky enough to forge a career in there as well, not only as an athlete, but as a professional. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your journey so far? It's been, I mean, for me, it's it's so interesting. It's been really like a, it's a, to me, I feel like I'm in a dream job right now. Um, I remember probably like seven years ago telling one of my mentors um, that I was like, I think I want to work in sports because I hadn't sort of contemplated that before. And then it was, it seemed like, at, you know, at a certain point, I sort of started telling myself, I don't know if this is possible. It seems like you need to know somebody to get these types of jobs. And so, um, or be look a certain way or be a certain type of person or sort of have an in somewhere. And I didn't have any of that. So for, um, for me, it was interesting because I, I remember I sort of declared that at one point and then I kind of was like, I don't know if that's going to work. And then I, I, I really just sort of like started gaining other experiences in other areas and, and to, to become 
uh, the position to get the position I'm in today it was so interesting because one day, literally out of nowhere, and it's, it's probably really not out of nowhere, <laughs> a recruiter from the NBA, from the National Basketball Association, reached out to me and said, hey, we've got this position. It's a new position with the Bulls. We've changed it. We've you know, updated it. And we've also like increased the level. Would you be interested in interviewing? And I, I was sort of like, it's unbelievable because it felt like everything I've done the whole way to like where I am today all worked into this position. So I couldn't have actually, from that time when I sort of declared I wanted to work in sports, I actually needed all that experience I gained after that to get this position I'm in today. And so, yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dream job to me. Totally dream job. You touched on there that you had a mentor. So throughout your professional career, and that's something, you know, I have a mentor, but a lot of I guess young people in that definitely work in sport don't consider that. What type of role has that mentor, I guess, played for you, especially in those early years within your career? So I think like every um, job that I've had, I've always had different people that are mentors. Like I'm always like, hey, if you're over like 60, I'm coming for you because I need like, I'm always like, I'll, you know, I'm just, like ask them questions because a lot of times you see they've got so much experience. And a lot of times they understand why things are the way they are and they, 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 they work to get to a certain point. So a lot of times I really sort of seek them out. I, I might not call them an official mentor even because sometimes that scares people off because I think it's like now I'm responsible for something. But they don't realize that they're giving me these gems, you know, especially in sport. I think especially for women, it's there's not tons of us at a certain level. So you have to really find you know, find some of those people that are that are in those careers. And um, again, sometimes I don't say I need you to be my mentor and like make this a big official thing. But like they don't realize that, that they're actually mentoring because I'm always going to them, getting advice and learning from them. I mean, it's just it, the biggest thing is keep your eye, always keep your eyes open and, and just listen and listen. There's so much to to learn. And even I feel like at, even at this level, I'm still like it's, it's good to always be hungry and humble you know, and keep, you know, and keep thinking about like, what else can I learn and how can I get better? I think it's a really important point as well that, you know, you've probably become a mentor for people and you're offering advice and support. And no doubt you're always open to do that, knowing the support that you've got. So what would you say to people who might be a bit scared to ask the question for for help? And like you said, it might not be, can you be my official mentor? But people are always (laughs) willing to provide advice. Yeah, no, I think um, part of it is, I think, ask questions. A lot of times people will say like, hey, can I ask you a few questions? Can I, you know, or they say, I saw how you did that in this meeting. Talk to me a little bit more about that. So just thinking of like, how do you want to approach somebody um, to do that? I'm, you know, I think people have told me sort of after the fact, oh, you're like my mentor. And I'm like, oh, I am. I didn't realize that, you know, but I think part of it too is being open to feedback. Because I think a lot of times what you find, and and you find that with people is that you, Early on in my career, I felt like feedback was so important. Sometimes it was unsolicited and people that were like older people would say like, would pull me aside and say like, hey, listen, don't say that in a meeting or whatever it is. And it always stings at first, but like this, this idea of feedback is so important to getting better and to evolving and being like your better self and being sort of better at work. And if someone's willing to kind of give you that feedback, it might sting at first because a lot of times it's telling you you're not doing something right, but a lot of times you're going to be so much better if you listen um, afterwards. So sometimes when I am um, working with someone and I'm trying to give them feedback, sometimes they, they try to go back and forth. And I'm like, this isn't like a, I'm not arguing with you, with you about this. I'm telling you this. I see this and I see why what's holding you back. And let me talk to you about that a little bit more, what you need to work on to improve. Um, and so, and there's, there's ways of delivering it, of course, to not crush anyone's soul but you know definitely definitely um feedback is huge but you have to be open to it as well 
But if you're like an athlete, you're used to someone redirecting you constantly. You know, I mean, we have yeah. our coach in college curse at us and stuff like that. And we're like, okay, you know, but I mean, you're constantly being redirected. So I think as an athlete, you're used to that kind of direction or redirection. You get that from coaches and things like that. So it's, it's the same lessons. It's the same thing that you can um, do for um, someone who's um, in the industry or in, in any industry as well. Yeah. The best feedback I ever got was learn how to take feedback. <laughs> I know it stings. It stings at first. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, I thought I was killing it. And you're like, apparently not. So I'm like, apparently. Yes. <laughs> and so we touched on a little bit in the intro that, you know, your background hasn't always been in sport um, within your career. What was your first role like? And, you co- and can you talk us through how you got to be working within sport and also, you know, the Chicago Bulls? So one of the, so I have a very very um, you know sorted past I would say so after undergraduate work at Syracuse um, my coach I remember I was interested in doing something in the health field and I I was like I need a you know I want to do something and my coach was like you should talk to this um, I'm not sure if you guys have them in Australia a podiatrist but it's a foot doctor that they have in town talk to him. Um, I think it's a great career. You should think about it. So I, I was like, okay. I mean, I had, my parents were just like, go to school and something will happen. There was no career guidance for my parents at all. Um, and I think, you know, and it's funny because I do so much work with people now that are like early in their careers around career guidance. Cause I'm, cause I feel like I had, I had none. I had to kind of figure it out the long, the long way. Believe me, it was a way long way. Um, so I spoke to this podiatrist in, in town. I was like, oh, this sounds like great. So I applied to school. So I went to medical school to be a podi- to be a podiatrist. And it was four additional years. I moved to New York. Um, my daughter was born there. My husband and I had just gotten married when we, we moved to New York. Um, I was the chief resident at, at the hospital. And the whole time I was like, I hate this. I don't like this. <laughs> and so, but of course it was like, I started it. I got to finish it. And then at the end of my residency, when I'm interviewing for jobs, I just was like, I had no passion. I just was like, I mean, I if I was interviewing myself, I definitely would not hire me either. But I was just like, I had no passion or anything. I was like, I can't do this. And so um, I had an opportunity to, uh, my husband at the time was, well, he's still my husband, but at the, at the time his job was <laughs> working in Philadelphia, which is close to New York City. It's probably like an hour and a half on the train or so. So he was working there in the school system. So I spoke to the superintendent, who's the person who oversees all the schools. And um, he said, you know, we need a lot of help on our health side here. Could you, maybe you want to come and join our team. And I always wanted to do um, public health. That's what I was like a lot more passionate about. Um, and, and it's funny because like, and this is the advice I give people all the time. I did a public health fellowship when I was in medical school. And I remember being in those meetings being like, this is great. I could talk about this forever. And I remember telling people like, when I give people advice now, what is it that you ever, what is it that you do that you could just talk about forever, just like are really passionate about. And so it was great because I ended up working for like the fifth largest school district at the time in the U.S., doing a lot of public health programs. Um, and and it's funny because the last project we worked on, it seemed like really, um, it was like, are we ever going to use this? It was pandemic planning for schools, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a, and this is this is like a few years ago, I'd say it was a while ago. Um, we did it with the World Health Organization and the CDC, which is so interesting. Um, but it was it was interesting because I was like, are we ever going to need this? I think we'll be fine. You know, clearly not, right? <laughs> so um, we did. I did a lot of work there. Then I, I came to Chicago. We, we were sort of like, why are we in Philadelphia? Let's come back to Chicago. My fa- my husband's family's from here. Ended up working in the school system here um, in education and so did a lot of work. It was around policy. It was also around the clinical staff that are in the schools. 
Um, and then from there, I started just to um, go um, into um, working for nonprofits, education, youth development, nonprofits, which were which was great because um, it gave me a really good sort of perspective of who are all the players in the city, who's doing what, who are the good um, nonprofits to work with, the other the other smaller groups and things like that. Um, and so I, I ended up doing I was overseeing programs, which was great because I got to be really creative doing programs, creating like we're like we want to do a skateboarding program. Let's create a skateboarding program, you know, which was great. We had our operational team. I complained a lot about the operations and how things were happening and things were going on. And so when our the person who um, was in that role left to take another position, they were like, well, then you get in there and you do it. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, and again, it's one of these things where like, I have the background and I could do operations. I don't necessarily love it. And so I think that's always kind of what people need to think about all the time. You might be good at something doesn't mean you can actually doesn't mean you, you can be good at it, doesn't mean that it needs to be your job though. So I think it's always like thinking about what are you passionate about? What are you good at? Sometimes they will get married, sometimes they will not, you know? Um, but from there, it was like, great. I got to really get a good, I got such great experience just getting to know everyone in Chicago and what the landscape is and everything. And so when the NBA came, it was one of the weird times where you interview for a job and you felt like every single time okay, I got this. I didn't feel like stumped by anything. I felt like, okay, this was a good interview. This was a good interview because I, all the work I did prepared me for that, um, which was great. And so that's why I feel like full circle, I'm able to come back to like the sporting world and be able to um, do a lot of good with sport, which I think is one of the things, I mean, you all know um, with the Australian Open, there's so much that, you know, that uh, uh, sport can do, such great stuff that you can do, you know, and, and, and it's different because a lot of times people will come to us to say, can you help us do this thing in the community, whatever it is? And a lot of times it's like, it sounds a lot better if it's coming from the Chicago Bulls. They just, all I know is the Chicago Bulls are coming to my school. They don't know what we're doing when we get there, but they just know you're coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, which is fine. If we can, if we can uh, trick people into uh, really good stuff that's happening, that's great. But, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's been, it's just, it's a long sort of journey, but actually everything I've taken goes into this job right now because we've got a big health and wellness piece we've got a big youth education piece you know and so all these pieces i've like taken all my work i've taken and put into this job today it's such a good message isn't it that you know like you said you sort of went the long way around but the long way around was probably the perfect way for you to go because you got so much experience doing other things and you figured out that your passion wasn't just sport it was sport and probably the community by the sounds of things and now you've been able to find your perfect job so you know you don't necessarily need to have a sports management degree or something like that to to get into sport and, and find your passion no absolutely and i think a lot of times people are looking for people that have a different sort of background what else can you bring to the table um i think with my job what's interesting is like i do a lot of writing and you have to be really creative and i think people don't always realize that you know what i mean it's not just executing of things it's like you've got to really bring something really really creative um and that's what it's going to be something good for if it's for a sponsor if it's for a community group that's what people want to see and i think that's you know it's it's so interesting because that's not necessarily what people think when they think of working in the sports industry yeah and you've kind of touched on it a little bit there and it's a good segue but keen to hear about your actual role at the Chicago Bulls and what it is that you you know director of community um, relations and, and what that entails anything that happens in the community where that's publicly facing falls under our department and there's sort of four sort of areas there's the straight up community relations and us doing programming or events in the community 
There's um, for current players, if they're doing appearances in the community, that falls underneath us. Also, former players, so um, any alumni, we call them alumni, um, that want to do something that we need to manage their work, um, you know, that they want to do in the community or for a sponsor that comes through us. And then finally, when we're giving money away in the community, that's through us as well. So we have a Chicago Bulls charities. Some people have their foundation, whatever they call it, but that's um, under us as well. And so we try to make sure that everything actually lines up together and is working together. So because it, it, it can be sort of like all over the place, we want to make sure it can all work together. Yeah, it sounds incredible. I love the fact that affects the whole wider community and you you kind of just use the bulls as a way to to get in there and make a difference so a bit of a broader question but how do you see sport having an impact within the wider community whether it's chicago or how can we use sport as a way to make change yeah i think it's so it's been so interesting especially the last few few months and everything that's been happening between covid and like the death of george floyd and there's been a lot of work around social justice i think everyone's looking they look right to sport right away um, which is interesting because I think in the past it has been something that just was like pure entertainment. And I think some people wanted to keep sport as like just you're just entertainment. But I think now there's just too much going on. And I think they're looking at there's so much access. There's so much, um, you know, there's 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 so much uh, uh, availability of sport and like the players and now with social media, there's so much that's out there that I think, you know, it's just really, you know, I think sport change is everything i feel like as you could see everybody was when the first all the sports got cut really everybody was like miserable here same when our footy season stopped everyone was like what do we do now (laughs) everyone's like oh god what are we gonna do now and then everyone's like oh great they started the south korean baseball league thank god (laughs) i think the australian football league got a decent run um in the u.s during that time because there wasn't much else going on so hopefully you got behind uh the kangaroos is the afl team you want to get behind (laughs) if you're wondering Yes. Okay. Okay. I will be behind them. You got it. <laughs> but I think like it's been, it's, it's, so this, this is the thing is that sport can be used for so much good. Cause I mean, I think people see sport as a way, like there's so much stories that are people telling around sport. This person was undrafted. This person, you know, came from a really like impoverished background. So people see like, there's, there's always these stories or the, there's a way to make a way for yourself through sport. Cause you see examples of it in sport, but then you see like people want to be around people that are athletes. They want to be around, even if it's our mask, people go crazy over a mascot which it is like it's baffling to me but like people like we've I've seen kids lose their mind oh my god you know like around so I think this idea even if you're not even an athlete you know there's 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 something for you that you can get out of it and I think they're they're doing such a better job these days with sort of telling the story of sport I mean you see that with um, ESPN the sports network here with 30 for 30 they had all these series and I don't know if, don't know if you guys have seen the uh, on Netflix the um I think it's called the playbook I think it is that have you seen yeah. that one with the coaches yeah I mean love that I mean and that's yeah. one of the things I always look at, at at you know when I think of sort of like people that I look to outside of my people that I know I always look think about coaches and what they you know the stories they have and how do they motivate because there's no one else I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I know, but the thing is with coaches, they have to figure out how to motivate so many individuals in their own way. Like that's such great leadership training. So I always look at the coaches to say like, how can, you know, just listening to them. I mean, when you heard Serena's coach, I mean, just the way she, you know, like he was like describing how she was not giving him the time of day. And then all of a sudden he's like, got her, got her lined up and was like trying to get her, but he's got so many gems and so many lessons that come from that. So I think people always look to sport. I mean, even if you're a business leader, they're asking for people from sports to come talk to them because it's like you have to what you do is so public um if you're failing it's so public because you know like in general like 
for me, if, I, if I'm failing or someone else in the office is failing, no one knows that. But if you're having your worst day at work ever and you're an athlete, you see that. If you're the coach having the worst day ever, you see that. So I think people, they can relate to that because they've had lows and they've had highs and they want to see how did they persevere? How are they getting through it? So there's a message in there, regardless if you're an athlete or not, or even care about sport that you can relate to. And I think that's the thing that makes sport so meaningful. And I, and I think in Chicago, I think in the, in the NBA, which is great about the NBA is that they've taken a stand on so many issues ahead of other people. And also, you know, I've really taken a stand, um, you know, not only on race, but also on gender. And, and it's, it's, it's such a great time to be um, with the NBA that I think that they're really pushing that agenda uh, forward. And for everyone, it's, gr it's great because then people feel like it's um, authentic. And so when you're coming to a neighborhood or a part of the community that maybe is a little bit underserved, they're not thinking that you're coming in just for a photo opportunity. They see that this is authentic and they, they everyone can sniff you out. I mean, I've worked around young kids. I've worked around <laughs> people that like in all kinds of different walks of life and they can sniff you out if you're not authentic. And I think that's the thing about, you know, our team, I think, which has been great is being able to like be authentic and bring that to the, um, and definitely bring that to the community. Can you maybe tell us about one of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Favorite. Um, well, we've been doing a lot. We've been doing a, so. We've been doing a lot of changes of programs, and I, I, I actually have one that we're planning right now that I'm gonna. That's that we have not seen the impact yet, but I do want to tell you about it because I'm super excited about it. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Just approval for any of this, but it's. <laughs> Um, we're trying to do an exchange program with Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and so they, um, so some people know the story, some people don't know this. There's a historical event that happened. It'll be 100 years ago in May, uh, May of 2021. And it was called the um, Black Wall Street Massacre. And so this is like, a, it's not a well-known, it's people are starting to hear about it more. So it was like an area in Tulsa, Oklahoma that had um, a lot of thriving um, entrepreneurs and businesses. And so it was nicknamed the um, uh, Black Wall Street. And so um, the KKK, I'm, I'm really boiling this down really from a small, but the KKK came in and basically just terrorized everyone. A lot of people were killed. They just burned everything. So it all went down to, to nothing. And so the 100th anniversary of that is next year. And so we are um, in the process of planning um, basically a virtual exchange program right now with kids from the south side of Chicago and Tulsa, Oklahoma. So they're going to be able to um, have experiences on both sides. And the, the hope is that we can get one of the um, uh, this is like, oh, I'm like knocking on wood here. This happens on one of the um, upcoming presidential centers, the Obama presidential center to do like a tour, uh, do a virtual tour for kids from, from Tulsa and the kids from Chicago will get a, a virtual tour of this, uh, of um, the museum that's um, being erected for this Black Wall Street. So it's going to be a really cool um, program. Eventually when things can travel and we can do things like that, we would have kids go out there for a game, see the Black Wall Street in person and they would come here and hopefully go to the Obama Museum as well. Again, I have no approval for any of this yet. We're working on all the details, but it's just it's such a, I love this idea and we're like really excited about it because it's just like kids from the South Side of Chicago would never be, have a reason to talk to kids from Tulsa, Oklahoma and they and, and vice versa, you know, as well. So it's, it's bringing together two groups um, and really bringing it around like a big, um, significant historical in incident that happened that I think there's a lot that we can learn from. Yeah, and I love that an organisation such as the Chicago Bulls, you know, purely basketball, has obviously all these other branches and they, you know, fund and prioritise things like this, which, you know, technically have nothing to do with basketball, but the wider community benefit is just incredible. 
Like that's yeah. really wholesome to me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's such a nice like makes me feel good on the inside listening to something that the sporting organisation and just of course we will do something like that. You know, we want to bent Chicago people to benefit from us being here. Yeah, and I think it's one of these things where it's like you can kind of get away with it. There's other people would be like a little harder to do, but I think the women are like, oh, the Bulls want to do this. Everyone's like, sounds good. Sign me yeah. up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sign me up, which is great. I'm like, I'm excited about it. So fingers crossed everything will work out. And you touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the the playbook, but I'm interested to hear who you actually look to for inspiration, your career, and, and con- you talked about, you know, continual learning. So who who are the types of people or is there anyone in particular that you really look to for inspiration and and how do you go about that? Well, I think, you know, part of it too is I think for instance, there's people I look to for inspiration, but I think the one thing about leaders is I think everyone has to understand that there's no leader that's going to be just sort of like perfect all the time. So there's one of these, sometimes you pull little bits and pieces from everybody to kind of, um, you know, to, to put together, you know, what that is. And so um, I think, you know, even part of that too is even looking at leaders when we think of um, when there's crisis, how do people, especially if you're a female, how do you react and how are you calm in crisis? What is it that you, you know, that you, that you, what is it, what do you say? What do you, you know, how are you, um, answering questions what is it that you're like what how are you being thoughtful about different things and so you know i i've I looked at a lot of people even like you know thinking of world leaders you guys have your next door neighbor's got a fantastic prime <laughs> minister in new zealand she's a, she's an inspiration I think. yeah yeah good she's an inspiration i think for a lot of women um but even like there's other great people like pierre trudeau i mean all of them have had you know missteps as well um and so, you know, there's people, these people have had, um, you know, missteps, but a lot of times it's like the looking at them during, you know, stressful times, I think is really, you get a lot out of that. So coaches, I think are a big one, but also looking at different world, world leaders. I mean, I know she's, sometimes everyone's like, she's kind of boring, Angela Merkel, all these people like that. I think a lot of times you're like, you're getting a lot out of them and you see how they are reacting. How are they not being sort of catty in a certain way? How are they really like moving things forward and, and providing like the calm leadership that everybody really wants to see? Um, so that's always like really super inspiring to me. Um, and and again, coaches, I always go back to coaches. I love, you know, certain coaches that I think that are, you know, fantastic and just the gems you hear from them and things like that as well. That kind of leads me into another question and just hearing you, you know, how you react and, you know, there's a perception, I guess, of when a woman might react a certain way compared to a man, you know, in a boardroom or in a meeting. And this might not have anything to do with it, but I am keen to hear, I guess, what your biggest challenge in your career within sport has been and whether that, you know, sometimes that might be to do with being a female and other times it's just purely actually just a challenge that could have come across anyone. But, you know, I imagine it hasn't all been easy for you to get to where you are. No, I think part of it, I think we all like sort of like suffer from this sort of, um, you know, like uh, confidence, I think sometimes when you come in there in the room and you're like, oh, does everybody else know this more than I do? Are they, you know, are they, you know, they've got more experience in this area or they've been with the team longer. I think that's always a big, um, you know, thing that that I've I've struggled with or challenged with. I mean, I, I think also, you know, uh, this idea of like imposter syndrome is is real, where people think like, oh God, they're gonna figure me out. <laughs> they're yeah. gonna figure me out, and then they're gonna kick me out of here, you know. <laughs> um, but then, and then I think like the older I've I've gotten, um, and the more seasons I've seasons I've gotten as well, you've got you start to say like, wait a second, and then now I have a, a place at this table as well, and I you know, there's things that I bring to the table. Um, but I think it's been really, it's been one of those things where I think it's just you feel sometimes you may be outnumbered. 
Um, sometimes you feel, you know, I've, I've been in meetings before where I've had like, it was all men and they all jump all over you as soon as you open your mouth, you know? And so, you know, it, it's like, I think it, it's better now, but I've, I've definitely had a lot of struggles. I've said, uh, I think I think about on the way of, with, um, with, um, being a female, even like in the, in the medical field. I mean, like, it's just, it's like every sort of step of the way you just, it's a lot of times it, it's when they're not used to a lot of um, females being around a lot of times that they, um, you know, try to make you uncomfortable or try to make it um, an environment where you um, think that you don't belong. But the thing is, like, it's, it's this idea that you got to kind of keep persevering. And sometimes you just need one person, one person to believe in you. And that's, yeah. you know, and I've, I've had people say, like, listen, there's always someone who creates luck for you, you know, and then what are you going to do later on in your life? What luck are you going to create for somebody else? You know, and, you know, a lot of times when you're a little bit older and you're like maybe the only female at first or whatever it may be a lot of times it's, it's a lot of pressure because the thing is like the better you do the more they're they're going to look back and let someone else you know someone another female in which will be good and then you start getting critical mass and yeah. so it's interesting because like in the whole um uh, me too movement they had here in which was big in the u.s um you know part of it they were you know, people would say, why weren't these people saying anything before? You're like, well, sometimes you need critical mass and then you can start saying things. You know, it's not like when you're, you know, it's not like you're just going to walk in the door because so many people did walk in the door and then said something and got kicked out. But at a certain point, when they let more and more females in, you're going to get to critical mass and then you can start to make things totally change and, and the cultures change and things like that as well and demand change. And I think the thing is, the advantage is, you know, like you go back a little while ago and people might have said, you know, females are too emotional and things like that. Whereas now I would say that that's a benefit of how emotional and invested we can be. And you can hear it in the way that you talk about what you do, that you are emotional and you are passionate and you are invested in it. So do you think, did you realize that early on that you were like, no, this is my personality and I'm very passionate about what I am? Or do you think you went through periods where you sort of tried to, I guess, almost hide some of that because you weren't sure if that's who you were meant to be? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think a lot of females go through that where they, they try to hide themselves. You're, you're like, you're, you're not being true to yourself or you try to like, oh, let me be, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of things out there, like different TED talks and stuff about females, like how they're telling females, like you need to mirror male like leaders. And they're like, no, 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 no. Actually, if you did, you know, and there's, there's a, a, a guy, he's Argentinian and he does like a whole thing on TED, a TED talk about this, which is fantastic. He's like, they actually look at the right um, leadership skills that someone needs probably more likely than not it's actually a female that would have that more than a male so when you're telling females to look at males you know and be more like them you're like you're telling them the wrong thing to look at and you know I think and that's the and that's I think it's one of these things where like at first you know I definitely tried to be like emotional like no emotion you know what I mean no emotion yeah. or just sort of really um you know, just really sort of technical or really sort of transactional with things. But it seems like it actually, when when I get a little bit, when I got a little bit used to being around different people or used to sort of like hearing my own voice and like realizing I had something to say, that I, that's when I really started to see like, hey, bring the passion because that's actually what's going to like sell this point. Like everything we do is always selling it to someone or whatever it is. Even when I worked in education, you're always, you know, trying to convince people this is a good idea, whatever it is, bring your emotion, bring it. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be sobbing in, in the middle of a meeting, hopefully not, but, but, but the thing is like, sometimes you might need to, sometimes yeah. it might be something where it's like, I can't be completely cold and just like, and not engage here at all. And this is, so it's like, it's really something that you, it's it, now it's like, I don't apologize 
I'm unapologetic for I'm unapologetic about who I am at this point, and because I think other people don't have to be don't apologize for the way they are. So why should I? And I might not be for everyone, and that's okay, you know. And in in some at a certain point, you can get to that. I think if you're younger, sometimes you're still trying to get go up the ladder, but it has it hasn't it hasn't been a problem though. I'm not for everyone, but. It hasn't been an issue. It's never been an issue for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it probably makes you so much more comfortable in who you are and in what you're doing because, as you said, you can be authentically you. So, no, it's nice to hear and definitely comes through in what you're doing that you're very passionate about it. And so <clears throat> I'm keen. This is a bit of a – not a random question, but you are a mother as well. And so I'm keen to hear about, you know, how you found the journey of motherhood while still building your career. You know, there's plenty of young females, definitely who I've spoken to, whether they're, you know, building their career in sport or, or anything that are trying to think about how can I not have, there's this picture of, you know, have it all, but, you know, I have to choose one or the other. And I, I'm really keen to hear from people that have been able to to, you know, be successful in their career, but also obviously raise a, a family at the same time? No, it's it's a challenge. And I, I feel like it's one of these things, even with, with COVID-19 right now, people are seeing that. I think a lot of the, the child rearing, regardless of where you are in your career, still falls on the, the female in the relationship. It just, it seems like it always does. But I think, and that's, it's, it's discouraging, I think, in so, in so many ways. But I think with um, I have one daughter, so she's older now. She's 17. Um, but I, it's been definitely one of these things where I just said, like, you're going to have to come along for the ride. Um, and so I think, you know, she's been able to see a lot of things and experience different things because I've taken her along for the ride with my career. And she understands that that's, it's important to me. I have time for her and I have time for things that she does, but I can't always make time for her. And, mm-hmm. and she's understand that too, that I'm also a person. I'm not, oh, that's not only what I do. But, you know, it's one of these things where you start to like, um, it, but you have to sort of set boundaries early with your jobs as well to be able to tell people like, okay, well, this, I'm going to have to leave at this time because I need to do this for my daughter or make sure that she's, you know, that she um, gets whatever, whatever I need to do. If it's bringing her to practice, she's a runner too, the poor thing. She's got to, <laughs> yeah, she's got to, comes from a family of runners, um, but take her to practice or she's got to meet or something like that. Then, then, then that's important, you know, and, and so setting those boundaries sort of early with who you work with. But at the same time, also realize that I think sometimes people think, you know, I don't if, if they don't have children, they're not going to be complete. You're not going to be complete if you have if you weren't before you had if you weren't complete before a child's not going to make you more complete. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I think you know, and I see my daughter; she's completely different than I was. You know, and I'm just like, okay, you're just a different person. You have to accept <laughs> that. You know what I mean? And so what I try to do is show her you know, what is someone who can like stand on their, even though I'm married, I still can stand on my own. And she sees me also, you know, being supportive of my husband, my husband's supportive of me, but us being supportive of her, but also like, I've got things I've got to do for my career as well. And that's important um, for me to, to be, for me and for, for, for me and just to be the best person that I can be as well. And so she, under, and she understands that, but she's been able to come along for the ride. And sometimes, you know, she'll, she'll say different things like, no, you're really an inspiration to me. This is once in a while under her breath. Cause I see that you've been able to do when you've been able to accomplish. Um, but I think it's, it's one of these things where you're like, you're not going to, some days you're going to feel like you're doing a poor job of everything, a poor mom and a poor person at work. And that's okay. It's going to happen. You just, it's, you're just, you can't, you know, sometimes you try to, you try to have it all. You can't have it all. You know, you'll just do all of it really poorly. So sometimes one goes up and one goes down, but I think you just have to be okay with that. You know, you're like, I never said I was the best mother. I didn't say I was the perfect mother either, but I'm going to try my best. 
And, you know, and I, but I also want to, you know, want a career and I want, I, I, I want my own career and I want something that, you know, uh, makes sense for me. And I can feel like I'm growing and evolving. And so I've been able to do both, but again, there's been days where it's been, they've been really bad on each side, but <laughs> you try your best. You yeah. try your best. <laughs> That's all you can do. Keen to hear, you know, before we wrap up, I guess, where to next for you? You're obviously thriving in your role at Chicago and, and you're loving it and you've got exciting projects, but what does the, the future hold in store for you? That's a great question. You know, and it's so funny. I just was like, I don't know. I don't know. You yeah. know, I'm in, I'm in sort of like, I'm trying to be like sort of present and sort of enjoying where I am today. Um, you know, there's, there definitely could be potentially other roles in the future, but I really just want to really enjoy where I am today and, and do that, which I, I, don't, I feel like I haven't allowed myself to do that in too many of my positions before. I've sort of like been like, great, got here. What's the next step? And I'm trying to really enjoy this role and then and, and, and go all in and, and see what um, what comes out of it. But I, I probably asked me in another two years, I might have something else yeah, to say. Yeah. But it's interesting because I, I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what the I next step is. I actually love that because so often I find that once you, you know, if you get a promotion or you get a new role, then people are, so where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And I'm like, I'm still working myself out what I like, what I don't like. I just want to, you know, do a really good job of what I'm doing doing now and then I'll think about it but it's like there's this expectation that you always have to have a plan for you know two years five years ten years and some people you know things might happen in their life and it might totally change you know I'm sure if someone asked you how many years ago if you thought you were going to be um director of community relations at Chicago Bulls you would have told them that were crazy but yeah I, I really like that um being present well, I think with, with COVID, I think we all have to realize that. Like, I, I love being a planner. I love sort of knowing what's coming up. And now with COVID, you're like, so much for planning. You know? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. when this first started and our season was cut short in, in March, I thought for sure at this at this point in the year, we would be back to normal. And I'm putting that with air quotes here. You can't see that. But, like, you know, I thought we would definitely be back to normal. So you realize you, what can, you can't plan. You're not really in control of too much. So just sort of enjoy where you are in the moment and try to, you know, again, be present. I mean, again, I know it's like really cheesy, but it is, it, the present is a present. You know what I mean? So yeah. enjoy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, you probably find that you're so much more invested and potentially more successful because you're so invested in what you're currently doing rather than yeah, looking for the next step. So it's great advice. One of the last questions we've got, and I think it'd be a bad thing for us to not ask this question, being from Australia, you work for Chicago Bulls, which is probably one of the biggest sporting brands um, in the world. The last dance phenomenon definitely hit Australia um, over the last six months or so, especially when we're all in lockdown for COVID. But, you know, that Michael Jordan atmosphere and effect, I guess, like I was, I was in Chicago, I think it was yeah nine or so years ago, and you still felt that presence um, of Michael Jordan around. How does that impact your role? Because you work so much with the community. I think you would say most people especially internationally, if you speak of the Chicago Bulls, their mind automatically goes to Michael Jordan. Right, so, right. yeah, if you can talk us through some of that, because, yeah, being fans from all the way over here, we're really interested to hear what it's like from someone who lives and breathes it. Yeah, no, it, it has been, like, his impact is just, like, just, it's unbelievable. Like, one person, I mean, he really, you could say he really changed the game. He changed so much, you know, uh, the whole concept with, like, sneakers and just, like, we, we have a statue, which I know, Sarah, you saw the statue when you get there. Like, it's a little, like, a bronze statue of, of him. And it's just, like, it's such 
the name recognition. But and, and that's the interesting thing with the with the Bulls is we actually have more international fans. If you look at like what are like yes. you know where they're coming yeah. from, there's more international than U.S. and then it's local. But it's so interesting because there's actually more all over the world. And so um, I think with with the um, the Last Dance, I mean I think people finally got sort of a um, you know they peek behind the curtain. You, know, you really got to see what happens and who are the who like he. I mean the the intensity that he brought, the relentlessness of like just driving other other people to be better. Because you're like oh on the face of it, you're like you're a great team. No, he just kept driving and kept yeah. pushing, and you see it was necessary. Everyone's like oh what a jerk, but then they were like no we needed it. You can see like that kind of reflection about it afterwards. But I think that sort of excellence one, it's a very, very hard act to follow. So I think we're always like, okay, we're gonna, we, we wanna definitely acknowledge the past because it's been so you know, instrumental for us to have like an international um, you know, and national name. But for us, we're like, it's the bar is so high now for us to like think of our, ourselves as a team. But I think we're, we've got a really great, a new great um, executive vice um, president for basketball operations, a new general manager, a new coach. And so they're, they're pumped and they're ready to kind of start moving back to some championship <laughs> years and things like that, which I think is great, but it's so unbelievable. Like his lasting effect that he had on the city. Like, I think there's literally sections of the town that have been built because, you know, it was because basketball was so, you know, popular and it's just like, and the amount of basketball players that have come out of Chicago, like, you know, Derek Rose, all the other people that you talked about as well, you know, that a lot of that is because basketball and we're known for being a basketball city. Like people mm -hmm. always come, to Chicago to recruit kids to go to Duke University to go to other places. So there's like it's just it's just become such a basketball city, and his lasting like uh, you know his legacy is just sort of like it, it changed the city forever. I mean economically I could see it with like the, how things have been built and things have been put in place, but it's just it, it literally like I don't know if it's I can't see like how it could ever change. <laughs> but it's just like but that's great. I mean can yeah. you have one can you one person have that much effect on like on our city and then of course so many other people he's influenced you know around the around the um globe even but i think this his like his i mean and it's like you know being an athlete you can kind of understand that because there's people that have that mentality where they were just like i will win at all costs you know um and it drove some people crazy it's not for everyone just like yeah. you know just like me. it's not for everyone but you know what i mean but if you get on board you can see the success that he's had it's, it's unbelievable it's just really unbelievable and I, I, to me i'm still in awe about it even though i'm here i'm still like this is unbelievable you know yeah yeah it, yeah, it definitely shows the you know it's the extreme but the impact that sport can have and you know like we do day in day out we get to try and i guess inspire little bits of that and if you can have you know a half a percent of the impact that maybe he had right. at times in his career like you're going to be pretty happy aren't you so it's, you know, it's great to hear that that legacy lives yeah. on and, and you're trying to drive it in chicago so maybe one last question before we finish up and i think you've given so many great bits of advice during this around you know mentors and being present and that sort of stuff but maybe just three tips that you would give to females who are trying to find their way in the sports industry or just getting started in their journey um i think one thing is uh don't be afraid to to reach out to some people i think that are in the industry i, I feel like you know, there's, you know, it's so funny because Sarah just sends me like a cold message on like LinkedIn and she's like, hey, I'm coming to town. And I was like, okay, another female to female. I don't care where you're from. You know what I mean? Come on in, come on in, come on, let's go. She messages uh, me all the time as well. I, quite, <laughs> I just couldn't believe she wrote back. I was so excited. She was very excited, actually. I do remember her messaging me when she had heard back from you. So you did make her, I'll say week, but year probably. Yeah, definitely in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, no, I think it's one of these things, like, I think part of it is like, one thing I always do when people want to look at a career, I would say, look at a job description and then work yourself backwards from there. So I, sometimes I see a job description, I'm like, that's the ultimate job that I want. Look at what they're asking for and what they're thinking about and actually work yourself backwards from there. Um, I think for sports, networking is huge. Um, and you'd be surprised who someone knows, who someone else might know as well. Um, I think that that's definitely helpful, um, you know, to make sure that they can, uh, that you can sort of get your foot in the door. Internships are huge. Sometimes the internships, don't pay that great, but I would say, you know, that's a huge way for someone to kind of finally get at their foot in the door. And a lot more teams are looking to make sure that they have more people that are, I'm putting this air quotes for everyone who's listening, non-traditional um, people to get into these roles because they know they're not doing a great job of hiring women or, or people that are black and have black or brown, you know, are black and brown as well. So for them, they're, that's where they're really looking at really the entry level. So I think that's really what it what you need to think about. And the thing is like, if you get a chance and your foot is in the door, I always say this about myself. I'm like, I will not be out hustled. Make yourself use so useful on someone's team that they can't live without you. And I've seen that with interns where sometimes I've had interns that tell me, I asked them to do something. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And I was like, listen, you go back and you find out, you know, try five different things, then come back and tell me that you don't know how to do this. Don't just tell me, I don't know, because now you're giving me a problem to do. So I think my whole thing is always like, you've got to be a hustler, figure it out, hustle, hustle, hustle every single day. And I think the thing is when you're a former athlete, you understand that you understand that you, like your success, your success is only going to depend on you. And so you've got to make sure once you get your foot in the door that you are making yourself invaluable um, and that you're listening and you're paying attention and seeing how things operate in these, in these teams and seeing who's who. And then, people will see your worth, but also at that time, spend the, some spend some time to maybe ask them a couple of questions in between a meeting or see if you can eventually go to lunch with them, whatever it may be. But I think the biggest thing I would say is try to get in through a lot of internships are great. People are not, not necessarily always looking for someone that has a sports background. So if you have a non-traditional background, but you, can, you have something to bring, bring that, do your homework, but also don't ever get out of hustled. Make sure that people, when they, when you walk in the door, that people realize I can't live without this person. I need to hire them permanently. And I think that's, that'll be like your biggest, your biggest win, I think for for any team. hundred percent. I think it's really good advice that, you know, if you're an intern or someone who's just starting and you get a task and you're not sure how to do it, instead of saying, how do I do this? Come up with a way of doing it and then ask, is this the right way? Like yeah. nobody's going to say to you, oh, no, go away, don't don't waste my time with this if it was wrong. Like, they're going to help you out. But it's right. so much better than just saying, oh, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. And you're like, okay, well, now you're just dumping a problem on me here. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I think that's really good advice. And, and thank you so much for talking to us today. I think you've given plenty of inspiration there. And it's clear that you're so passionate about what you're doing and no doubt having an impact. So we thank you very much for your time. Sarah will probably hit you up for another trip to sh- when she's in Chicago again very soon. <laughs> yes. Hopefully I'm coming there or you guys are coming here. Something's happening. Something's got to happen, okay? (laughs) Yes, you'll have to get to Melbourne as well. We'd love to have you. So thank you very much for your time. And um, hopefully we can speak to you again soon. Yeah. No, you guys got it. Thank you. Thank you.